0: Hey, everybody. It is Thursday. Welcome to This Week in Startups. We have an awesome show mm. for you today. Sincerely. So good. It's going to
1: be great. It's Thursday. You know what? We're coming down the mountain. We're sliding into the weekend. And we got Debo from CNBC's Tech Check is here. Full contact. Deirdre Bosa is here. And we talk about a wide variety of topics. This is Debo in long form. You don't get her in long form. And she crushed it dude, it is absolutely fantastic. We talked about
0: her interview with Sundar Pichai, which she did like in the hour before she came on our show, the crash in the public markets, crypto, free speech and moderating social media. It is a really wide ranging conversation and she can hang. It was great. She's
1: a good hang. And you know what I really enjoyed uh, when we talked about uh, the tech press and coverage and media and how she prepares for interviews, how you prepare for interviews and how we all look at that. Uh, and the standoff between the tech press and, you know, the people who are building technology in the world. It is a great I wouldn't even call it an interview. It's like a round table. It's just yeah. you know, tossing the ball around chewing the fat. We got to have her on more CNBC. Look out. Look, look out. out. We're She's good for, on podcasts. We're coming for Debo. <laughs> we're coming for Debo. It's gonna be a great gonna be a great
2: show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by. LinkedIn Talent Solutions. A business is only as strong as its people and every hire matters. Go to linkedin.com slash twist and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. Cyvatar. Implementing cybersecurity for your startup can feel overwhelming and expensive, but it doesn't have to be that way. Cyvatar is startup friendly fully managed all-inclusive cybersecurity subscriptions Twist listeners get their first 2 months free at cyvitar.ai/twist and swag.com swag.com is the best place to buy, customize and distribute custom gifts and promotional products they work with some of the best brands like Yeti, The North Face, Ember mugs and more Visit swag.com slash twist and use code twist for 10% off your order.
1: Uh, All right, everybody. So uh, everybody knows uh, Deirdre is uh, the host or co-host of uh, Tech Check, which used to be called Squawk Alley. Uh, At some point they did a refresh and it seems like you became the uh, co-host it girl on the show. That was like (laughs) your coming out coronation, I I take it. Or because before that, were you a contributor? How, How did that all go for you?
3: I was a reporter, so reporting. I kind of, I focused on certain parts of tech, tech broadly, and then really dived in on certain companies now as, you know, co-host of Tech Check, kind of do it all.
1: Got it. And
0: John Ford, and of course. and hosting and producing probably. And yeah, if I, uh, uh, if I know Giving Jason
3: type. a hard time, mostly. Giving yeah. Jason That's a hard time. I wow. Well. I
1: mm-hmm. think it's something to discuss here because people were like, whoa, what <laughs> did you so Deirdre? Like you come on to CNBC and she's just like on you. And I, we had a little on-air thing. We'll pl- throw the clip in here where I was like, hey, Deidre, if you're going to ask me the question, you got to let me answer. So we had a little like, little chippy moment, uh, but it was all in good fun. You know, what's very unique about this company in this moment in time is we have a generation, really two millennials and Gen Z, who are growing up with a level of right, financial it, literacy just, that is Jason, greater than any... Uh, hold on, let me finish, Deidre. Deidre, you got to let me finish. Uh, the issue here is this group of people is... I, I do think... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, when you became co-host, I think you did take the approach of, I'm going to be hard hitting. Was that an intentional thing? Did CNBC say, hey, you know what, we want to be a little more hard hitting on the show? Maybe people perceive the show as being, you know, a little too, I don't know, cordial? Or is that just something you wanted well, to
3: do? Well, I want, so everything I do comes back to the audience, right? What did they want to hear? And... I think that they want to hear answers to the questions that are asked. I try to ask questions with them in mind. What do they want to know? What do they need to know here? So, you know, as you, as you guys both know, Molly and Jason, CEOs speak and CEOs speak. Sometimes they come on with talking points, but you know, I really feel like people can go to the earnings call or they can go to the annual meeting to hear CEOs speak or guests. When they come on tech check, I want them to answer a question. And so Jason, all in good fun. And I do too, because I know that you can take it as well. And I love hearing your point of view also. So I want to get to it. But that is really how I approach interviews is I'm not there to please the guest or the CEO or the analyst, whoever it is. I'm there to get the answer for the audience. And sometimes that can come off as, what did you call me? Full contact, both
1: well I mean that is the origin of you coming on the show because I was that's like term of yeah, both from Jason Debo is a little full contact and, term and of little
3: did you know I played hockey for 20 years so <gasps> I, know. I don't she's shy like, away from that
1: she's like get on center she, we are like having this DM she's like get on center ice I, I played hockey I was like I'm not gonna center ice with you <laughs> let's
3: <laughs> go. Get on skating oh. with me, Jason Molly what about you any any yeah. skating skills or hockey skills or sports oh, God, any no sport?
0: no volleyball though the spike oh yeah it's not a football. it's not an ongoing contact situation for me it's more a murderous spike right at
1: the end. Well, a- since, I, <laughs> since I have two lady journalists here intact, um I'm, oh, I'm curious God. for both of you. Um do to you accomplished professionals? oh, oh okay. Two two extremely accomplished professionals in this. fact. I see where you're going. No, I um do you feel uh people maybe uh either guests or the audience hold you to different standards? And is that in your mind when you're like, hey, listen, I you know, I need to bring it at a different level. Maybe I don't get the same credit uh, as you know carl does or jay cal does or whatever for both of you Molly.
0: I like how you ask it as do we feel as opposed to is that the actual reality? <laughs> which it yeah, is Yeah sure both. Right. Yeah. yeah which I mean, is I, yeah. Yeah. It I is. mean it's
1: it is, it people is come the reality. on this
0: show, I don't know if you notice people come yeah. on the show and they say, Hey Jason. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I'm like, more accomplished person over here over here. <laughs> right <laughs> here, bro. Podcasting <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs>
3: This is why I'm a huge fan of Molly, too, because she gets straight at it. She doesn't mince words. Um, but absolutely, you should see my Twitter feed, Jason. People are constantly telling me that I'm interrupting or nagging or something, which you never really see the same for a man, Ooh, a right? For a woman, word. it sounds shrill when you're asking a hard question or you're labeled aggressive instead of assertive. Um, so there certainly is that double standard, but I think that you just... You have to what I think I always have to be fair, and then I'm okay with it, as long as I think I'm being fair, and giving, you know, good questions, not gotcha questions, and I'm I'm willing to take it.
0: So speaking of which, uh, and CEO speak and trying to puncture CEO speak, (laughs) we were watching you this morning on tech check, do your damnedest with one of the toughest CEOs there is to have a (laughs) fun conversation with Sundar Pichai, I say that with all respect, right? Like, Mad business skills, clearly. Yeah. Um, but a tough one. He, let's be honest. He's CEO,
1: he's CEO Ambien. <laughs> I mean, I, I can say that, but I mean, he really is a hard one to get something out of. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. approach that, you I to-
3: I totally agree. He is so calm and collected compared to, especially, some of the other big tech CEOs. But think about the moment that we are in right now. The markets are going crazy. Apple was down 5% yesterday. It's down again today. Some of the stocks are off 80% their high. So do we need a Sundar Pichai? Yes. This was the Mm. perfect, perfect, perfect moment for him to come on. I thought that he portrayed clarity and consistency. And that is exactly what the market needs right now. You know, I felt I was there to cover IO. And there were some really interesting announcements in terms of future devices, in terms of artificial intelligence. Um, language processing, the really technical stuff that he really cares about. But I think, you know, my job in that situation was to bring his sense of calm to the broader markets. As we sat down, the NASDAQ Mm -hmm. just finished down another 3%. So, you know, I had to ask him, what are you doing in this moment? Why or why isn't Alphabet protected? And I think my main takeaway is that there are some companies in this moment who are really going to rise to the occasion. They're going to be able to continue to invest for the long term and while Alphabet will face its fair share of challenges, they're one of them.
0: Yeah, super interesting answer I thought he had to that sort of broader question of like, what are you going to do in a downturn? Everybody, you know, we've been talking on this show about the lemming effect of layoffs and the contagion of the panic. And Sundar just sat there and looked you in the eye and said, we're going to hire 12,000 people. We're going to invest insane amounts of money into our company, invest into the downturn. Unlike they're going to
1: zag while everybody
0: zigs and loses their head, it seems like.
3: Yeah. Yeah jason what did you think
1: i mean well i i thought that was like probably the best part of the interview that came out of the interview uh because facebook has a hiring freeze Uh, uber uh said you know i thought that was by the way great scoop on sunday night uh we talked about it on monday the you know Dara's is very sober listen you know we people wanted growth then they want profitability now they want free cash flow no more like EBITDA mulligans or adjusted EBITDA. Let's just just throw them, you know, a bunch of cash, right? Yeah. And so I thought that was particularly interesting and gave me a little hope for the economy that somebody who had been through it, you have to remember, Google's been around a while, Facebook hasn't. Uh, so Google's been through the dot-com bust and uh, the Great Recession. Facebook's been through the Great Recession. Great Great and point. so, you know, he, he's got the scar tissue as an executive and he's seen this movie before. If you have the cash reserves, the right thing to do would be to take talent off the market uh, and to ignore the stock market knowing you have a money printing machine. If there's any machine that is immune uh, mm-hmm. or you know a, to the, to the market swings and gyrations and recessions, it's the money printing machine of Google search.
3: And Google has what 160 billion in cash and cash equivalents right ah. so but, but at yeah. the same time, you know, one thing he said I was trying to get him to talk about some of the rivals like why can you hire 12,000 people when Meta has to do a hiring freeze when other companies are going to have to lay off? And he says we're a diversified business. That is true and they're shifting, but we do have to remember that Alphabet, the majority of its revenue is still advertising, right? And mm-hmm. advertising can be yeah. sort of this canary in the coal mine. We saw that with YouTube. People kind of freaked out last quarter because yeah. growth was slower. So it's not that they're immune. It's that they're most immune and Sort of had a good, yeah. Exactly. He's more resilient. resilient. Right. So it and was that a cloud
0: big, business, though, to your point, that cloud business still is playing a distant third, right? Yeah. But t- behind Microsoft and and uh, and Amazon, and is not
3: yet profitable. Is that right? That's they're losing about a billion dollars a quarter. But right, a billion dollars a quarter, it's like pocket change for them, <laughs> especially when this is <laughs> I mean, sort of what a, a world strategy. Like the pie is going to increase. Google will get there. Um, they'll be a player. They already are a player, versus questions around some of the other smaller guys. So, you know, and I ask Ruth Poor at the CFO about that, almost every time I talk to her, you're still losing money. What does that mean? Really doesn't mean anything to them because it's only yeah. a billion dollars.
0: Yeah
1: Ah, spring is in the air, people and there has never been a better time to grow your business. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easy to find the people you wanna talk to faster and for free. We love LinkedIn here at Launch and at Insight. We've hired so many amazing candidates on LinkedIn. And you know what, people take it seriously. If you're posting a job on LinkedIn, people know you're serious, they know it's a great job. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can create a free job listing in just minutes and you'll reach the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Every time I read this ad, it goes up another 10, 20 million people. It's incredible. They're gonna be at a billion people soon. And now you can add that purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Did you ever see that where it says hiring and it's in purple? Well, you wanna have that on your profile so people know you're hiring. So here's your call to action. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to and they help you do it faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Yeah, they do. And you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash twist to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply because they're giving you something for free. Well, I mean, and this is the challenge, I think, of what you do every day versus what we do every day, right? Like, we're talking about private markets. We've got this luxury of, hey, a 10-year arc. And then when you're a public company, you have analysts, you have a daily or yeah. you know, a five-day a week check-in. On your stock for whatever number of hours um, and, and it just changes how you have to communicate one of the great features of the private market right now is i'm not pulling up a portfolio of 300 private companies and crying i mean i pull up my portfolio of not. 12 well public companies and i'm like ah uh. but i'm not we invest when companies are worth five to twenty five million dollars generally speaking that's our sweet spot you know you can't really lose uh, when you're investing that early in a company because one you know company makes up for a lot now if you're a sundar you got to communicate to the market when everybody's panicking and scared you have to have a lot of fortitude. i think bezos had that where he's like listen you guys can say whatever you want the stock price can go wherever it wants this is what we're doing we are building for scale we want to grow and, and people didn't believe him for a long time um and i think sundar has now got that moment where i think he should just ignore the markets and ignore the stock price and maybe lose 10 billion a year Instead of four billion on the cloud computing, because if you're a bronze, what's silver worth? And yeah. we know what gold is worth. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Amazon Web Services business is tremendous. Yeah. You did you did dive into um, the the Elon situation and free speech. I thought this was one that you could have gone an hour with him. I guess they gave yeah. you twenty minutes or thirty minutes. What did they give you?
3: Fifteen. It's ridiculous. See, this is I, I hate I that. That's, That's not lame. Cool. I
1: would have yeah. See, this is where your producers uh. and like CNBC has to say, listen, if you're gonna, you need to sit with us for 45 minutes, if you don't sit with us for 45 minutes, then we're going to tell your story through your competitors. Like if somebody, some producers got to be like,
3: you know, what, a little more well, hardcore. Okay. Well, let me play the other side of this. I, okay. I especially with Sundar Pichai, I, would have loved an hour, five hours with him for sure. I would have even just like 15 more minutes to talk about the really interesting stuff. Yeah. They mm-hmm. announced it. I O we had to get right to the point, you know, like I just met Sundar for the first time. And I was like, I know mm-hmm. you don't want to talk about your stock price, But this is what our audience cares about right now. So we got to get into it. Um, I will also say, though, that I've done a 10 minute interview with the Canadian Prime Minister and got a lot across. So you Mm. do it. There's such, so much preparation put into 10 or 15 minutes with that in mind that it's never going to be enough time. And that, I guess, would be like one of the biggest challenges about doing TV versus Mm -hmm. writing. Live TV. Love to do longer form, but at CNBC, you know what you're getting, you're getting in, you're getting out and you're not doing your job. Like I'm not doing my job as the interviewer if I can't do it in 15 minutes. So I try, but I wouldn't. What's frustrating
0: is like, there's so much more you want to do. And then someone will come after you later and be like, I can't believe you didn't ask about this. And you're like, you feel free (laughs) to do a 15 minute interview with a CEO who operates like 77 different businesses. And you want to ask about at least six of like,
1: it barely while making gives sausage. you no I, I think the audience really likes to hear this i think it's great for you to come on and talk about it because it, people are like it's so frustrating that you can't ask the follow-up question about um you know specific instances of uh freedom of speech and censorship you know uh, an issue there which molly's made some very good points about like you know is it is it really censorship or is this just like a, a private company but i thought that what came out of that was very interesting is that Google has one worldview, when it comes to search the law, Hmm. if it's illegal, let us know, but we are indexing the world's information. And that was made by Google. And uh, that was made by Sergey and Larry's philosophy, right? That's the you want to take something down, you know, go to the law. And and we're going to disclose like what legal letters we get, we're going to be have a transparency report. Now you go to something like YouTube, a community site, slightly different than a search engine because they're not making the content yeah. there they're you know and um they're hosting it so it's a little bit different and they're monetizing it so they're acting quasi like a publisher right they're they're promoting stuff they're hosting stuff and you know there's a lot of interesting cases there like people do dangerous stunts and they do hidden camera stuff is it illegal not in some cases but in most cases no right. should they be hosting that stuff and then having young people you know as but one example david dobrik you know doing that crazy jump with his model x then some other kid decided to rent a model s and do the same street jump and crashed his car could have killed like you know a poor family that was walking their dog or something and i've you know talked to susan about this and like you really you really got to get this under control so i'm like oh am i for censorship yeah because i'm like you're really more like a broadcaster like a network discovery you know or cnbc wouldn't show that stuff or they would really contextualize it. So i was I was curious what your thoughts were on that well, something that came out of your discussion, that they, they do one thing on YouTube and another distinctly different thing on Google search.
3: It is a great point. And you could tell that he spends a lot of time thinking about this. So there was something at the very end. I'm not sure how many people picked up on this. But finally, I asked him about open sourcing a social media platform. Is that the answer? That is mm-hmm. what Elon mm-hmm. Musk and even Jack Dorsey have talked about doing so that yeah. you, the responsibility is no longer on the CEO, you cannot call them a publisher, if it's open source, because you're letting right. the audience decide. And I asked him, does that help? Or does it amplify the problems? And he's he didn't give a lot. But if you read between the lines, which we always have to do, he said, it's interesting. And I'm glad that's being discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, what CEO wouldn't love that to be discussed, right? Because it takes the responsibility off of their shoulders. And the idea of open sourcing, right? You just leave it up to the people who are looking at the content and coding essentially the site, right? Um, so I don't know. I don't know how far that is off. You probably, Jason and Molly, have a better view what of that. What do you think, Molly? You. Well, I think it's really
0: interesting because YouTube for so long has escaped all of this scrutiny, right? And And YouTube has been uh, employing an algorithm for engagement that has encouraged really dangerous stunts for years. They've had advertiser boycotts over, you know, advertisers who don't want to be put next to terrorist content. And, and somehow YouTube has managed to sort of like walk this line where they take some stuff down, they leave a lot of stuff up.
3: Yeah. They, and they demonetize. They they de-
0: de- I mean, honestly, yeah. I think in a, in a way, it feels to me like YouTube has figured it out the best because they're like, yeah, what we do is we take away your reach and your incentive to yes. make money with this stuff. But that took and a long time and nobody's yeah. yelling at them about free speech.
3: That's totally what Senator Pichai would say. He says sort of the advertiser, the business model works because as you said, Molly, advertisers don't want to be next to dangerous or controversial content. But I don't know. I, I also kind of think that YouTube, Google gets a free pass. How much of that has to do with what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation? Senator Pichai is the most calm, collected CEO. Oh, you everybody. can say when boring. To Congress, or
0: I'll Say it.
3: <laughs> they, they go to Congress. Everyone wants to jump on Jack Dorsey, Bezos, even Tim Cook, and you know you feel kind of bad you know, taking that same tone with Senator Pachai, because he's such an intellectual, such a technologist that Mm -hmm. I I just, do you think that's fair? Do you think they're kind of under the radar? I do a little bit. Oh, I think they have done, yeah, to
0: be clear, like, I've done many, many interviews with scholars who are like, here is exactly how people get radicalized via YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. You I mean, my I watch I sit over my son's shoulder, like my son is 15 years old, He is into like, music and cars. And it takes Five to seven minutes flat before it's like, would you like to see this video about how much women suck? Like, wow, it's the, not that the, women suck, my recommendations. Jordan
1: Peterson, you know, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a, a, a generation of men who don't know how to interact with women, and you know, I wow. have my heart breaks for them. my that's did, my Jordan Peterson. Thank you, Jason. You your
3: impressions were so good, Jason. I got to see you more
2: often. So meta. <laughs>
1: Here's a problem a lot of startups face, they need cybersecurity, but they don't have the staff to implement it or manage it. So if your startup is overwhelmed with thousands of different services and you're looking for a simple and cost effective starting point, well, Cyvatar makes cybersecurity effortless for startups and SMBs. They have all inclusive subscriptions that you can cancel at any time and solutions for your businesses so you can close more deals, get compliant faster and gain customer trust. And they are a preventative service, not a reactionary one. CyberTAR offers all-inclusive, fully managed cybersecurity as a service, a free platform to analyze and report on your cybersecurity, a member experience team that ensures your satisfaction, and flexible payment plans that you can cancel at any time because they're confident you're going to get great, great service and value out of CyberTAR, And they're going to get you up and running in less than 60 days. So... You can use Cyvatar's premium version right now at no cost. But if you want to upgrade, you can get the first two months free at Sivatar.ai slash Twist. That's C Y V A T A R dot A I slash Twist for two months free. So mad. It is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the algorithm, I think, is a big part of this. Um, I, I do think that there is something that Larry and Sergey did very specifically. They fired themselves. This was a, a strategic. I, I know this um because I know them. They did something very strategic. They put themselves as chairman, you know, board members. Yeah. They don't go to the office. And they're like, I can't get dragged to Washington or in front of, you know, whoever in Parliament and whatever European country, EU, because I don't work there. I am a shareholder. If you drag me up there, I'm gonna say I don't know, because I have not been to the office. My key card doesn't work. Like they literally can take that kind of (laughs) position. And you know what? It's a true position. They don't know. They've delegated. Is uh, that calculated? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They do not want to get dragged there. It's much easier to go for a walk with Sundar and say, this is what we want. And who does Sundar serve at the behest of the board? Who controls the board? Larry and sergey but then, so, then Sundar
0: Sundar is like, I'm the CEO of Alphabet. I don't know. And Susan Wojcicki
1: never gets called to Congress. I mean, it just she is fascinating. She will, yeah. I mean, she will. I mean, I think that was in a way why they made her CEO was so that you could bifurcate these two things. I, I know this sounds like a crazy conspiracy or chessboard, but it is a chessboard, it and you do chess. have to think these things through. I think the it's thing strategy. that
3: strategy corporate strategy it's really really good corporate strategy. I
1: mean. This is where Zuck. I always thought the the right move for Zuck was to make himself executive chairperson, uh, and then put uh, Cheryl in charge of Facebook and that collection, and then put some wonky person in charge of Meta, and then he could pull strings from you know his kite board in you know Kauai or where, wherever he is on Lake Tahoe. You know, um, because you know, that guy needs to stop talking. He needs well, to stop. I it, mean, it's it is it is challenging. Other talk people of, are
3: talk fo- about CEO interviews. When is the last yeah. time Zuck? sat down with the journalist
1: yeah yeah no i mean he will i mean he's he's got a very he's he's taking a much smarter route uh and perhaps sinister but you think um, that's better? well going on lex friedman and tim ferris and joe and i don't know if he did joe rogan but he did lex friedman and did he do tim ferris as well i think he did you know like those folks are so excited about the access you know i mean this is one of the critiques of Karen yeah. swisher um is access journalism uh and i don't know that it's uh fair exactly but if you run a conference that costs seven or eight thousand dollars and you need to get elon or in, back in the day steve jobs maybe you don't want to totally piss them off and lose access to them but you have power and so there's this very delicate balance of man if i lose steve jobs or bill gates you know and i'm you know, what does Kara Swisher make and Walt when they were doing that event? a million or $2 million yeah. each, probably. Uh, and so that's like a real business. And if you get big all stars there, well, it prints money. Trust me, I'm in that business. But, I but know those,
3: those businesses won't last, right? Because you're not getting like true answers, true content, you're not doing it for the right yes. reasons. Molly, I'm interested in your experience. No,
1: no, they will last. They, ha- um, they will and they have. You don't well, need to, ha- you don't need to get the answer. You just need to get the start.
3: You just need the access. But Molly, well, I wonder like yeah, mm-hmm. from your experience as a journalist, I do find that if you ask tough questions, but they're fair, mm-hmm. um, CEOs and guests will come back. They'll kind of, they may not love the question, but they appreciate it, you know? And I think in the end, it makes them look good, but it makes them look more credible if they can yeah. sit there and be asked it. So it took me, I would say like a long time to figure that out. Jason, especially when you called me, you know, Full contact Boza, right? Some people don't want to be like, I'm still working on it, man. (laughs) But I will say, like, the best people do want that kind of interview because it helps their credibility in the long run.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, and you, the audience feels that they can respect you both in a scenario like that. You can tell. And I I don't like, I don't think it is good for a journalist in the long term to sort of say, like, yeah, it's cool. I'll have Mark Zuckerberg on and I will agree to only talk about the metaverse. Yeah. When, It's in the middle of the whistleblower scandal. That's not good for either of them. Like it says, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is afraid to talk about the real stuff. And this journalist agreed to this like, dirty little deal where they're like, I'll just talk about the stuff that they want to make money on in the future and ignore everything else. Everybody loses. And let me me give you an
3: example of that where I turned down an interview. Actually, I still, you know, wish I had got it, but we could I couldn't compromise. Um, Jack Dorsey, a few years ago, granted us an interview on Square. And the condition was no questions on Twitter, right. not a mm. single one. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely no more interested in Square than Twitter, but, you, you know, I can't not ask a question. I can't do my job. And so we never did it. And that was the yeah. last time I was offered that interview.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, people don't know this, but it, it, it is definitely, it comes into the calculus. And so I think, you know, if you're running events uh, and it is, you know, it is a business, right? Like So if you're a journalist It's one thing, but if you're the business owner, and so it does change. So the business owner is going to think differently. And I think, you know, if you again to Kara Swisher, she's a business owner. Like she is a freelancer for the New York Times. She owns the event business. Mm -hmm. She gets a percentage of the, you know, profits of it. So that would be slightly different, right? And and you do have a a a little bit of calculus. And then some people are just like, you know what, I'm going to opt out and just go direct. So I'm curious how the go direct movement or what you think of that. Uh, because I don't know if it's an or, but I do know, uh, you know, with the reach we have, as one example, we have the all in summit this, uh, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, this Monday and Tuesday, while the press wanted to come. And a lot of the speakers were like, ah, eh, you know, I don't know if I can be as honest and whatever. I was like, well, you know, we have more reach than any tech podcast or most uh, yeah. any business or tech podcast. So we hit 26 in the rankings last week. This show is number five, six, seven in the rankings in tech. Yeah. So we don't need press there. So I was like, you know, let's just try releasing to the feed and the press can just get it all at the same time, but no press at the event. And Dude so like, what is
0: good to know? I'll be like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was just also a fair thing because the thing is sold out. And then, you know, 100 press and 50 of them super credible and 50 of them, maybe less um, want to go. And it's just there's not room. And it also makes the speakers less honest. So I, I just made, right. I didn't make, I, it wasn't my call to make. It was kind of a less vote by besties. Honest.
3: See, that is a problem that you just said that, Jason. Yeah. less honest. I, d- but they're not held accountable. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, no, We're going to ask hard questions. You know that I mean, I, but okay.
3: I, well, I don't me. know what your business model is based on. You are climbing the re- and let me first say that I love your podcast. Both of them. You're doing such a wonderful job of going direct. I like to hear these long form uh, conversations where, you know, traditional media may not necessarily have the space or time for, because that business model is different. Um, but let me give you the example of a Coinbase, okay? Brian Armstrong mm-hmm. made this big thing um, when he was building the company. He doesn't want to talk to mainstream or traditional media because he doesn't think that he can. they're going to tell his story. So he went out and told it himself. Now, Coinbase is in a world of pain, right? Yeah. We've seen that stock price decline, decline. They're getting looped in with all the other crypto companies. Maybe they're the Google of crypto. I, I, I don't know. Maybe they're held to a better standard. but. No one really knows that. Like our audience doesn't know because he never talks to us. Where's he getting that credibility? I think over the long run, you need to build a relationship with media, the media that you trust. No one wants a gotcha interview, but that's like what I spend all my time doing is getting to know our guests, our CEOs so that they know they're going to get a fair shake. And that helps them in the long term, right? Like, like if Brian Armstrong could say, listen, I want to come on CNBC to just tell my story, tell why we're different. Than some of the other crypto companies why bitcoins implosion or the stablecoin implosion isn't going to sink us but he hasn't built that relationship so hmm. does he have the same credibility and it's very short-sighted and to you jason i would say you should be held accountable for the all-in mm. summit why not just why not why not a well, we, it's going
1: to be accountable because we're going to release all the files i mean people will be able to listen to them so but, but how yeah, does yeah, your audience after.
3: know that the right questions are being asked i mean right. Like, well, I mean, do they it, know would
1: it be like, number 26 in the rankings? It's we to weren't asking the right questions, I guess, would be the yeah, way I would say it. It, it. definitely would be because everybody loves over
3: $100 billion. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's yeah. worth that today. I'm saying if you want.
1: No, I mean, we, I, it, the, Brian Armstrong's a good case because we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him very tough questions about Tether. And, yeah, you know, you we asked him. Yeah. So we asked him pretty tough questions. I think there's something going on in media. You know, and listen, we're all tech journalists. Um, and maybe Molly and I a little bit longer than you do. We, we were part of the very campy, cordial uh, moment where in the, in the early 2000s, and certainly in the 90s when I started coming up and watching Esther Dyson and some of those folks, and I think Molly, you caught some of this too, it was almost like the press and the tech industry and the venture capitalists were all on the same team. It was mm-hmm. very, very cordial, and it was all just very geeky. Then as tech become, became more prominent, you know, there was some, like more fallout. And obviously, I think Facebook and Uber and that like really con- uh, contentious time period where companies were behaving badly or the impact was really huge. I think it it's kind of made a lot of tech leaders say, yeah, I'll go direct. Eh, I'll opt out, which is kind of sad for me because I was a former journalist. I don't know what you think, Molly, about this standoff, because I think yeah. that's what we're dancing around here is. Yeah, some folks are just like, I just don't want to deal with the press anymore. I don't feel like they're treating me fairly link baiting headlines, whatever. And then they're like, and I can go direct. So I'll just go direct. What do you think Molly? about this?
0: I I agree. I think we are in a standoff. And it's a standoff that occurred because there was increased scrutiny, right? There was an increase in uh, questions about accountability and business model and the dot com crash wiped out a lot of portfolios. And all of a sudden, people were like, wait, this is an industry that can do real damage. We should start asking more questions. Privacy was becoming a bigger, bigger deal. Yeah. So when you have a response on the tech side, on the mm. business side to say, okay, our our strategy then is like, we don't like this. So we're going to say less. And I think Uber, you know, respectfully, like kicked off that vibe yeah. among these big tech companies. What happens is then the narrative about the tech store to companies gets more and more and more distorted because none of them mm-hmm. are out there telling journalists the truth. And then as a or result, just talking to them, just talking. Exactly. They're not yeah. talking to them. They have I no mean, when's, when's the last time you saw a
1: Travis interview?
0: And so we're left to, exactly. what do people
1: even know about? What do people even know about cloud he's kitchens? He's not just a ghost
0: kitchen. He's a ghost.
1: Yeah. basically like, <laughs> he opted out completely
0: and as a result though the only way for journalists to construct a narrative about businesses that have a massive impact on the world that is why yeah. we are doing yeah. this work uh yeah. i just reverted to the we <laughs> yeah. because is is from like what they say on twitter right or whatever clues we can get and so it's like look in the absence of any other information mm-hmm. i just have to go on what i see mm. and then this tech ceo is like that's totally inaccurate and unfair and it's like well, f-
1: did they tell me yeah right and so with the tech i mean i'm interested in your your position on this as like you got to experience like i think and i'm not sure when you started as a reporter but uh, i would perceive it like you know in the 2010 time period am i right
3: i was in asia well i that's a whole nother story but i started Uh, as a journalist in china where access is very different wow
0: yeah Yeah. be careful
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah, i think it's better to be in america at this point wow you've been
0: followed by way worse people than emil oh Um, yeah
3: i have been uh through it and I mean, actually, when I came to San Francisco, that was the point where I was like, whoa, why isn't anybody talking to me? I came here hmm. 2016 hmm. as Uber was imploding. Nobody yep. would talk to me, right? They said, you could be tech reporter. And so I came here and I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be the tech reporter, except yeah. that nobody will talk to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which was good because you build your reputation and it took me so many years, right? You asked me, you're kind of like, what were you doing before you were anchor of Tech Check?" I was building those relationships and yep. building that reputation that when you come on and talk to me, I'm not looking for a headline. I'm looking to tell Mm. your story in a nuanced way over the long term, because you are either a public company or you're going to be a public company. So you need someone who understands this to Mm. Molly's point, who will understand your narrative so that investors our huge audience will believe you. If you go Mm. direct, people know, That they're being fed something even if they don't know what it is right they know that there's some other incentive at work i think
1: if you like delighting customers and employees with amazing swag well then swag.com is the place for you it's the best place to buy customize and distribute custom gifts and promotional products because swag.com only carries items that people actually want to keep and use They've created a collection of the best products across categories like tech, apparel, drinkware, office supplies, and more. And they offer some of the best brands in the game, like My Yeti, I Love That, The North Face, My Ember Mug. It's the perfect way to welcome new employees or reward your loyal customers. And here's the fun part. We're going to create a really dope twist swag bag and send it to our listeners and repeat guests. And we need your help. We are looking for awesome submissions for our twist swag bag. Go to swag.com and pick out the coolest items you think we should include in our twist bag. Then email producers at thisweekinstartups.com or tag us on Twitter and we'll announce the swag bag next time. And we'll enter you in a contest to win one of the swag bags. So you get to help us build it. And hey, you might win one of those amazing swag bags. So visit swag.com slash twist and use the code twist for 10% off your next order i'm hoping the balance can come back i think it is coming
3: back i will say no i think it is you feel Mm -hmm. it is
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i feel like we're 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 working through the issue because there was a moment in time where i would the only calls i got were like bad news calls and like especially from the new york times it was just like you know or or even cnbc you know and i understand it um because i'm associated with, with like say an uber they were like come on and talk about uber come on i'm like listen you have me on to talk about something else you know i don't want to be the proxy for uber and you know in fairness to the producers they were like okay let's let's take these you know next two hits off from uber and let's talk about some other topics you know like because and then it's when you're when you're the subject and the only thing you hear is bad news bad news bad news problem 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 you're like okay well this isn't worth my time i think that's what a lot of them are like is i would rather tell my story and that's well, is the
3: problem the question, or is the problem Uber? Because I know you and I well, are based off yeah. on this, and I just don't know that there's been really good news on Uber for like as long as I've been here.
1: Right. Well, actually, I think it's pretty great news now. I mean, the focus level has been great, and doubling revenue, and like it's trading for one point X times. It's 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 uh, revenue. So I, I think. Disagree, there, be but
3: another time for that conversation. We could
1: do a whole we could do a whole hour on it. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think uh, well, I, at the end of the day, profit is a real metric and it's going to be a money printing uh, it will be a money printing machine just like uber or, or just like google or facebook you know and amazon they're just going to turn the dial and that's what people I, want I will it's say, be what i easy. like
3: about uber yeah. is it's transparency they know that they yeah. haven't done a good job in telling the story to the market so yeah. they're being transparent i think that dara is very good i love a ceo who will come on tv when his stock is down like 20 percent shows a lot yeah, he's of right. great
1: communicator. Yeah.
3: The story though, I still have not bought in. I well, do the, not. The goal post changed. Too.
1: I, yeah. Well, I mean, time will tell. I think these super apps have proven themselves in, in, you know, uh, super Asia. App, come on. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it's interesting. I, 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 I was using uh, Uber to get to my hotel in Miami here. And then it was like, I need to get some, you know, bottles of water for my hotel room and some food. And then I, you know, hitting Uber eats while I'm on the way to my hotel. And so this idea that groceries, food, travel, and then experiences, hotels, you know, and and if you look at his background, where did he come from? He knows how to book hotels, he knows how to book flights, he knows, and then they got the taxis. So
3: I know, but all you're talking about is a business model to book, you're not talking about a business model that's innovative or doing something disruptive.
1: Um, well, I I think taking out friction and making people's lives easier with this stuff is pretty innovative. Uh, and having it all on a
3: Expedia. Is that worth 100 billion dollars? I, I think it's
1: going to be. Know. It could be worth I think it could be worth a trillion if you put Expedia with travel with food. Yes, I think it could be I a would trillion argue, actually. Yeah.
0: yeah. I would argue that uh, more than Expedia, he's probably going for WeChat. Like and Uber is nowhere near WeChat yet. Like no, we nobody is in America. Nobody is anywhere near that level of super yeah. app and frankly our regulators might never let them get there. You know,
3: a dark uh, horse in the super but if app they world. could. It'd
0: be amazing. Oh, I actually
3: snap. think snap is closest to being sure. a super app than any then I can't really think of anyone else but really you've got their own sort of app ecosystem within the app you can go through different things so I actually think app is I mean snap is closest but I'm with you Molly nowhere is even close to a WeChat you can't like book your doctor's appointment how yeah. do everything so you're well, supposed to have your whole life in the app if it's really a super app
1: yeah. yeah I think if if all of a sudden you woke up one day and you could send money in Uber to another person you know you can split bills now. And when you were in a new city, it said, Hey, do you want to see a show tonight? And it said, Hey, do you want one of these premium reservations like Open Table does? You, know, you start to see those things show up, and I think you will. But I uh, see what
0: Deirdre's saying, though, about community. That all is still ultimately booking. That's yeah. just sort of like logistics, which you know, there's probably yeah. a lot of money and a lot of egg to be taken in logistics. But if, sure. earlier, what you can also build is community and chat yeah. and interaction yep. and sharing, then your WeChat, like maybe I an Uber bot, Snap.
1: I, I Ooh, don't know if anybody saw that. Well, mm-hmm. if you or also if you look at what Or snap
3: Elon, on Uber. Or snap <laughs> well, on Uber. Ouch. I think it would have to go your way Ouch. around, right?
1: <laughs> I think Twitter is on the way going there if Elon gets it. I mean, you may have seen he wanted to put payments into Twitter, and, you know, according to the leaked documents. Again, I have no information. Um, but he did, there was this leaked document that said, hey, um, here is, um, he, he, what if we had payments, right? And so if Twitter users could send each other money, Kind of neat, yeah, right? Like,
3: oh my gosh. You want to be in the fintech space? I mean, this this is a space that's just crumbling because so many companies, so much money got into it and they all want to be what you're talking about, the one-stop shop for everything yeah. financial services. And now they're all just getting crushed because they I have users, I mean, like even like a SoFi, which has been pretty good at cross-selling. Um, yeah, brutal.
1: So, I just bro. got it. I, I just did a super follow for the first time. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but somebody who I like who's an MBA that. analyst um worldwide Wob. he's just a commenter and he you know he's floated around between different people and he had super follow there and i just saw it on when i was on the flight and i was like oh i love that guy i want to support him oh 2.99 a month F- it i'll just give him 2.99 a month so he does more tweets because i appreciate him oh, so I like that that. patreon being built into you know twitter i i think elon might pull that string and it, it could be very interesting very i would love to see uber by twitter and <laughs> that would be pretty great um and you'd have all those accounts right and just people being able to at mention imagine i said you know at um you know d underscore bosa you know ten dollars or i said at amnesty international ten dollars hashtag ukraine and i knew that my ten dollar donation went to the ukraine fund by amnesty international and amnesty said just hey at mention us and put but why the would Uber
3: help twitter do that when shouldn't they buy a fintech company like a venmo or a square cash it,
1: when you're good at making apps and you have over 100 million or three or 400 million credit cards whatever it is sometimes you can just build these things yourself pretty quick you know like they built eats they built the grocery business and uh, they bought drizzly um so sometimes you buy something like i think they bought drizzly for the licenses more than anything like the regulatory stuff but I don't know if you've ordered um, alcohol on either GoPuff or uh, Uber. It's a pretty compelling experience as well. And I think they'll get into weed. I, there's well, no doubt in my mind, Uber will, deliver, will buy a, a cannabis uh, company and deliver weed as well.
3: I don't know how far we want to go into this, but I use Instacart a lot more, which has a lot of the same things for rides. Love yeah, I love Instacart too. And yeah. Lyft, but um, they've been able to take so much market share. Uh, it, we'll see. It, it's interesting how it, but, the s- space, the gig economy space as a whole... I'm so curious how this will shake up, especially now with Instacart filing mm-hmm. confidentially. For um, an IPO, what I want yeah, to news today, the, uh, actually,
0: which did surprise me, sort of. I mean, I, I guess Instacart would, probably needs IPO now or never.
1: I, that is a good point, because I think the IPO window could, could slam shut during the recession. But The I IPO think window them, is
3: shut. It, I already it thought is it was closed,
1: exactly. exactly. I, I was shocked.
3: Locked, shut. What are they thinking? Either they have extremely good financials to show that the market is going to be like, wow, you're the best of... These gay economy companies, they do have an interesting low valuation. business business, right? which they already marked down. But mm-hmm. do they also need a lot? I think it would be crazy. Some people have said that they just desperately need the cash. I'm not sure I buy that. Because if no. you're going out in this market to find cash, you're going to be very disappointed. It has to be the latter. I think it shows some confidence. Maybe their CFO, right, Nick Gianni from Goldman Sachs, he did the IPOs there. So there's something that he's seeing that's telling him, yeah. Now might be the moment to go public, which is just crazy to most people looking at the markets yeah, right now. I, and
1: grinder, w- grinder is going to smack. I mean, that's a money printing Grindr machine at too. At least I is a recession proof
0: business in some ways. Like I
1: might be counter cyclical. If you're depressed about... and it's a recession, you might want to hook up more. <laughs> uh, exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm not hearing good rumors about Instacart. I'm not well, sure that that S one is going to.
3: SPACs mm-hmm. don't instill a lot of confidence, but an IPO <laughs> would, mm-hmm. might. I so. think the IPO, Fine. yeah.
0: Is depra- well, as long as we're talking about the crash, do you have time to talk to us a little bit about crypto? Is this like the go to zero moment?
3: Oh my goodness. Are you asking me?
1: Uh-huh. Are you allowed I, to have an opinion? Like, or actually, does CNBC say, don't have an opinion? Just report the facts.
3: CNBC, okay. You, and you're like, did someone tell you to be full contact? But no, no one tells me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but, but me. I mean,
0: no one tells. Dear no, no, they one do you tell. In the
1: corner. Baby in a corner. New York Times just so. told their reporters, get off Twitter and stop having so many opinions, right? So no, I, 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 the media I've companies are trying to. i
3: heard anything like that. But, but for example, yeah. when I come talk to you, I get a clearance and say, okay, can I go on a podcast? Is that okay? And they don't tell me anything what to say. They just see if it. it's aligned. Um, and and I do to to the our earlier conversation too. Going direct, I do love different parts of that. I love that I'm able to come onto your podcast and have a longer conversation that we can't necessarily have. You're
1: your good on a pod. You're great. Yeah, you're better All on a pod. This is he's, 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 he's CNBC is going to regret this. You're going to start getting some podcast <laughs> offers. Bill Simmons <laughs> is looking for a tech podcast. I understand.
3: Um, where were so so with crypto? um I've been. What's the word? I'm not. I'm a skeptic, right? Because we. <laughs> For good reason. There are so many scams in this place. But do I believe in the underlying technology? Yes, I have made that very clear. I put my son's birthday and Christmas money into Bitcoin and Ether. Don't tell him right now. (laughs) Um, But you know, I do believe over the long run, I don't know what it's going to look like. But I do think that this technology is extremely important. So no, I do not think it's going to go to zero. Is it going to look completely different? Uh, Good chance of that. Are there a ton of scams in the space? Yes. Jason, you and I have been extremely skeptical tether. of mm. Tether, the stable <laughs> coin. Um, yep. Does that mean the whole system is broken? Uh, maybe right now, but will it always be? No, I, I still believe in the long term. I don't think it's going to zero. Mm.
1: Speaking of Tether, um, they de pegged. Uh, I don't know if I like that word. Um, they unpegged. I, they, what's the word here? They missed the peg. Like, I like de pegged. I de-pegged, Okay, I, it was not. You like a
3: choice. They did not choose to depeg. It was depegged by okay, the. Okay, I
1: like that. Yes, yes, it was not in their control. So they went down. I was like, I was like three in the morning because I was on Pacific Coast time, and I'm here on the East Coast. So I'm like up at three in the morning, and everybody's like, "Hey, Jake, Al, <laughs> like, you've been waiting for this. It's ninety four cents," and mm-hmm. it, that's like, "Whoa, that's it has happened, but it's rare." Um, and then they were did some announcement that they were moving stuff from one chain to another. And that's after Luna and um, US a USDT no UST UST uh, which is Terra as opposed to USDT UST just collapsed and Luna collapsed and we covered that obviously
3: lost the peg thanks to your audience lost the peg exactly lost the peg thank you that's great got smart
1: kind of like not it's like your boats out there and it's connected to a mooring and like you disconnect it, you <laughs> lost the mooring and you, you lost are. your anchor yeah, but it's kind of like losing the anchor
3: to depeg the way right? de no. no. it let's be clear here
0: yes.
1: so it, became, it became I mean, untethered from the peg Ew. oh hello oh. even more confusing <laughs> I think what's going on here I gotta be honest is I think you know as the tide goes out and we were talking about like Lake Tahoe and some lakes because of the drought are they like mean. Lake Mead is going down Deirdre and they're like, Oh yeah, we found a body in a barrel from 1980. We can close that case. And the sheriff's like, yeah, happens every time, you know, there's going to be more when it it recedes, we find all the bodies and like, you know, that's what's going to happen right now. And if they don't have the reserves and people are redeeming.
3: Well, okay. Okay. I think there's an important distinction to make here. So if there's, this is a horrible analogy. If there's a body at the bottom of the lake, that's us. Let's go. Right. That is yeah. going to be yeah. the algorithmic stable coins. Is it going to be tether and some of the other ones that are backed by commercial paper, even though we may not know what that is? I'm not so certain that Tether is going to go to zero. I mean, we don't know what's backing it. We don't know what kind of commercial paper, but my guess is that as it went from zero to twenty to sixty to eighty billion dollars in market cap, they're probably cleaning up the back end, don't you think? I mean, that was my need- thesis. One yeah, like
1: let's scale yeah. <laughs> in the uh, if it was a scam or a ponzi i'm not you know who knows if it is the 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 um ag in new york seems to think it is canada banned them so you start having these regulators banning it and having concerns that's rare um then the ceo and cfo like not doing television because you got one person to come on but two the founders them, yeah. two of them yeah but the cto and the cfo i think who are weird cats and they were really nervous when you interviewed them congratulations on that get Um, but this, the two founders, the CEO are offshore somewhere and they won't come there at a certain point, you have to look at the cumulative evidence and say to yourself, this is distinctly different than Jeremy Allaire in the United States being regulated, doing his own proactive, essentially like showing you the books and saying, we will not hold commercial paper. And they were so squirrely with you. when you asked them about Chinese paper. Yeah, And it's like, it's really hard for us as journalists or commentators to say something's a scam, but I can say these six things cumulatively do not look good.
0: Well, and that's why it's so important for these CEOs to sit down for interviews with journalists, because when you have all of that, seriously, when you have all (laughs) of that smoke and you're trying to sort of like figure out, is this real? Mm -hmm. And then you see an interview... And you see a human interaction in which the human on the other end of the hard questions is like. Eh,
1: uh, you were squirming uh, on that interview. I don't know which one was the CTO. Like, tell us about that now one. I get you, tell us how you got it and what your impression was. And then what is your, so how'd you get it? The impression of it, you're like in the moment, because I thought you did a great job, by the way. Um, yeah. And then number three, how do you as a journalist at a prestigious, the most prestigious, uh, you know, <laughs> finance network, how do you balance like, Smoke, fire, you know, yep. all this stuff, but you can't come out and be as uh, maybe as candid as I can. Uh, you have a little bit of a different benchmark, I think. Um, so yeah, tell us how you. I'm very careful. I wouldn't
3: say I, I, okay. I, I try to be candid, but I'm very careful because I know what we say on CNBC. That's why we don't cover like penny stocks, right? Because you could say mm. something about them and actually move them. So we just have to be really sure. careful. Mm-hmm. People are trading okay. on information that we're uncovering or bringing. With Tether, Jason, it's funny because. It actually happened one weekend. You were tweeting about tether, and I was thinking, yeah. "What's Jason going on about?" Um, mm. <laughs> and I think Which I said happens. something to you, happens, "Like yeah. come on, CNBC." And I spent the whole weekend, Jason, mm. reading up, talking to people. I was very nervous actually ahead of this interview because um, it was a re- it's a really complicated thing. It took me a really long time to understand. How, like, how it even works, what a stable coin is. I had to talk to so Mm. many different people and just go and say, I just don't get this thing. Like, what is it? Um, what is it backed by? Like, how do we not know how many, you know, how much commercial paper could there be in the world that if it's this big, no one knows who they are? So again, once I started asking those questions, it seemed very obvious that like, what is this thing? And when I spoke to you, it was funny. I like to, I like to give you some debate, Jason. Yes.
1: We're good, at it, good. To on, it.
3: You were like, this thing's a scam. And I said, well, who cares? Who's using yeah. it? You know, crypto native right. that just need it as a tool. And they liked that line of questioning because I kind of stuck up for saying like, why does it actually matter? It didn't actually. Mm. So they thought that I was, you know, a good person to give an interview to. And not I didn't, it. I didn't try to do anything different. I just, when I said, hey, here's all the questions I have, Is it, right. I'm not trying to get you. I just, I'm, can you answer them? And then they weren't answering them. And I said, why aren't you answering these questions? Why did you come on here if you're not going to yeah. answer a question? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they started to get very uncomfortable. The whole conversation Sweating. was uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, And I still, I mean, I don't have, a, I don't have a bad relationship at all with the tether people. I welcome them on all the time. I don't think I asked anything that was unfair. I just asked them information right. that should be really obvious right they shouldn't, Ma- they shouldn't yeah. have a tough time yesterday yeah Wait.
0: yesterday i gave the example of bethany McLean at fortune who asked uh, at an enron shareholder meeting like how do you guys make money <laughs> right and it was that question that, and the piece that she wrote mm. after where she was like turns out no one can answer that question that led to the unraveling like mm. it is a hundred percent our job to ask those fundamentals like even up to and including why is this so complicated
3: And it's not our job to to sound smart, right? Sometimes, Molly, it's the simplest questions that reveal the most.
1: Yeah. How do you make money? (laughs) How do you make money? Why aren't you profitable? Can you be profitable? Like These are very basic questions. And I think there is something happening in crypto. Molly and I talked about it on the show just, I I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, where if something is so complex that the person who made it can't explain it to you as a journalist, I think... Finance journalist on CNBC, Molly from Marketplace, New York Times, and it, Jason Galaganis, investor in three hundred companies. Like we know what yeah. we're talking about. We're we're amongst the most in the know people. And you can't explain to us how the algorithmic because I had Do Kwan on from Luna, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I, I, I took like three shots of like, can you explain this to me? And I couldn't get it. And I'm starting to think, am I an idiot? Right. Is this crypto stuff? And you know what. I said to myself, no, th- no, this is exactly what happened with the, the default swaps and, and the mortgage uh, backed securities in 2008. They were too complex as a way of, um, obscuring. obscurifying and obscuring mm-hmm. the drift. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when a, when a crypto project is so complex that it can't be explained, I think everybody's alarm bell should go off things in the world are not that complex and well, when they are made to be that complex and the person can't explain them to you i think there that that is a potential sign that something's not right it could be that something I, is super complex but generally it's a red flag for me can Go i ahead. give a
3: counter argument here though sure
1: please do yes that's There's why you're here.
3: so much in the crypto world that i can't understand that right. and i'm happy to admit that And what I'm told by some very smart people who I do trust in the industry, like a Sean McGuire at Sequoia, right? He has a pretty good view. And I asked him, I said, people are investing in crypto. They don't understand how the technology behind it works. Does that mean that they shouldn't be investing? Like you look at someone buying a share of Apple, right? They understand demand for iPhones. They understand the product. And he had a good point. He said, think about the internet. When it was being built, you couldn't know the average person didn't understand it, didn't mean that it was useless or it wasn't a real business. It was you can't understand all the technology behind it. We still use it. It is still, you know, a big thing today. So it is really hard to figure out when you have to sort of trust in the technology. We're not engineers, like you said, we're journalists. Um and but but you're also right in those simple questions you can kind of get to the core. If you can't answer the very simple ones, it's probably I would say
0: there's a there's a difference between the base layer of technology and the mechanism right like i don't need to understand the code behind the internet i don't need to understand how tcpip works and i don't need to understand all of the layers but what i do need someone to be able to say is it connects computers so you can share information right and like well that was exactly what i was going to say molly yeah yeah when you talk to doquan and he can't say oh well what happens is i invented luna i tied it to terra As long as Luna has some value, Terra can be worth a dollar. If that goes away, it won't be. If you can't say that, then there's this anchor
1: thing. What? Right. And then there's this anchor thing where we're loaning or you're you're giving us some Bitcoin to stake it. What? Define staking. Oh, and you're giving 19.5 percent in interest. Who's giving the interest? Where does that money come from? Because that's venture returns, stock market returns, seven percent VC's return twenty percent every year. How do you? Who took the loan? And and who's giving that money? And they can't explain it. And it is complex. You know, Web3 is a collection of like 10 different technologies. You could, you could talk about encryption. You could talk about blockchain. Uh-huh. You can talk about distributed technology. Right. There's so many pieces to it, of course. But Bezos doesn't have to explain to you TCPIP and your web browser and, you know, HTML to explain you one click, you buy a book, it comes to your door. And I think a lot of these crypto folks use the technology. As a way of obscurifying the grift. And, and we'll see when the tide well, goes out what using, reality is.
3: They're using the enthusiasm, right? I mean, crypto has just right. been this mainstream thing. Whereas <laughs> when TerraUSD came out, everyone was like, a, a lot of people were like, hold on a second. An algorithmic stable coin? Like, no, all you need to do is read like Matt Levine's, Matt Levine's uh, newsletter, right? Yeah. That breaks it down. Yeah. It was like, in the world, in a, in a, in the sphere of scammy things, this is extremely, extremely scammy. But There's other people out there who may not be interested. They just want to get in on this crypto gold rush. Hmm. And those are the people all three of us are trying to ask questions for, right? Make it as simple as possible so that they don't buy. And they know that there's different levels of internet companies or crypto companies.
0: Well, no Um, one um, wants to be the person who says, including Do Kwan... And this is what's so interesting about crypto in general is again, there's the underlying technology, and then there's the part that is literally enabled, like you just said so well, by enthusiasm, by community. And so, at the heart of that is if no one believes that Luna is real, oh, it's definitely not. It goes to zero. Hmm. The end, right? He doesn't want to say that. He doesn't want to have to come on a podcast and be like, yeah, the truth is Luna only exists because I made it up. And so, as a stake in Terra, it will only work. If you believe me, yes, well, like money evolving. in the real world, <laughs> very risky financial thing to say. instruments
3: too. let's be but fair. Then, that yes. is actually how Same financial thing. instruments work as well. It's if the market believes you, then this will go on forever. I yeah. mean, it's only a Ponzi scheme until they actually create something right. And yep. Jason, you operate in the startup world. So you know that as well. I mean, you're giving money based on dreams. They have a certain yep. amount of time to achieve that.
0: Yeah, this so is the in fact they should yeah. just say it. Like it would be more, on, it would be, be more, much more transparent. honest yeah, no. if they just said it. And they were like, there's, we believe there's enough enthusiasm and excitement in this community cares and then we can create a
3: whole new transformative financial tool, but it relies on all of you. Well, Sam Bankman-Fried it, talks in those terms and I think that's why he is one of the most credi- credible people in crypto. Um, mm. And a lot of people point, care and listen to what he says because I do think he's more willing to talk in those terms, more candid, more honest.
1: Yeah. The challenge for me with crypto is, you know, if you look at what we, what was created in Silicon Valley long before I got here and long before I started investing 12 years ago, 11 years ago, there was this milestone based, um, investment, um, system. You, you convince a couple of angels about your dream, friends and family. They give you a hundred K they give you 250 K you build some sort of prototype. You're like, Hey, isn't this interesting? Uh, you know, I'm Tony Fidel. Here's like a nest kind of thermostat thing I'm building up in Tahoe. Uh, it almost works. And then they give you more money, right? And you get the $2 million check or the $1 million check. Then you get the product to market. You get 100 customers. They give you the $20 million check. What is really inspiring, interesting, and broken about crypto is they're like, oh, you have this dream? Great. Let's give you $100 million to pursue it. And then let's tell everybody in the world that this is the dream. Here's the white paper. And everybody can participate in it. And you're like, that's breaking securities law. You're knowingly (laughs) doing that people are not buying this for token for utility none of them are using it in any utility way they are all buying it based on pure speculation hoping it goes to the moon so you're breaking securities law somebody got a hundred million dollars and put it in panama in some foundation that nobody knows the board members of and when you break the milestone-based system what you're doing is saying you know what we're going to give a 12 year old the keys to a Mac truck like what the f- do you think is going to happen? Like you, you get your driver's license at 15, or your permit, you can drive during the day with a parent next to you. You can go within X number of miles of your house. Like there's all kinds of controls on this. And I think there are controls in our economy and securities law for a reason. You don't want to have a 12-year-old behind a Mac truck or flying, you know, a 747. You know, you you learn, you get your license, you pilot a small plane, you get a bigger plane, you go certified, you get tested. We need regulation here. And I think that's what's going to happen this next year. So much money is going to be lost, so much pain, terribly. People are going to commit suicide because they lost their fortune. So much suffering is going to happen that regulators is going to be like, stable coins? You want to make your own currency, which countries do? No, no more of the stable They're coin nonsense. Hmm. And you got to audit You're it. Audit. And you they can be this audit. size. And you need to have insurance. And you need yeah. to act like a bank. Enough of the to. Play by the rules. And like I think that's what the SEC is failing. They have to play by the rules. There's a rule set here for a f***ing reason. Play by the rules, okay, everybody. but the
3: crypto world, I'm sorry, Jason, the crypto world will mm. argue that who's policing traditional finance, right? We talk about money laundering and scams. Yep. And
0: in, they'll be right about that too.
3: Yes. Yeah, so Lots of things you know, are I, true. I understand what they're saying. The regulators don't necessarily do a good job policing the existing system and the crypto companies would argue that they want in because they also again there's different degrees of this right um there is terra mm-hmm. usd there is tether there is circle um and i think they welcome at least the better ones welcome regulation yeah. so that at least they have that stamp yeah. of approval um stuff's going to get through of course I like it just, does in the
1: traditional system i hate this argument that like everybody else is committing crimes so why don't we get rid of the cops and the justice system it's like
3: well okay not not fair either i feel like the crypto
1: people are not sincere in this they're like oh you know why should the government get to decide it's like because people deserve some level of protection No,
3: because maybe it's more efficient i'm canadian as you know jason molly maybe you don't know um i I have to transfer money from canada to the u.s on occasion why does this take me two days why do i have to pay a big fee to a bank it is it's been five years of this, and it just continues to. I continue to be flabbergasted over how inefficient and mm. terrible the system is. Yes, crypto does promise to solve that if the regulators could get their act together, or whatever, if the banks want to do it, fine. But that is the technological promise that I do think um, is worth something. Yes. And should I agree be brought with you. In.
0: That is yeah, super that's valuable. The promise and that promise will. Know. When you, if you strip it down to the simplicity of that, and then you try to understand Jack Dorsey saying like Bitcoin could bring about world peace, it's because there will, in, there could in fact be a, a truly equitable access to currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which exactly. is the exact same argument as communism, right? Mm. And once you get people and their motivations and their greed... And their ability to manipulate existing, you know, new technology to their own advantage. Then mm-hmm. you have to put into place rules, and you have to create centralization because at scale, as soon as humans come in, that whole dream falls apart.
3: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: It is. It's uh.
3: It is about access, Molly. Bang on. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it really I, I is do, about access. I, I do and like. T- I mean, t- I'm i not bought not Bitcoin on the my money. We're thinking about people and in not developed countries that need this way more than any of us.
0: Reparations and and people who are unbanked but have mobile phones. Like there is, I mean, that is the promise that I put my own teeny amount of money into Bitcoin on because it's like that is truly transformative. But what happened is it became too good of a store of value. And then everything got financialized around it. We created all these sketchy financial tools around it.
1: I agree with that. Those poor truckers, those poor Nazi (laughs) truckers in Canada couldn't get their Bitcoin. Wow! Uh, just, wow. I, I, that was just a little poke. Sorry. I, I, I she's from Canada. You're triggered by it. I had no choice but to go there. No uh, choice. It, he had no choice. Well, no. There are pros and cons to all of this. Like you think about the freedom of money, and you know, no KYC and no fees, and then the fluidity of it, and you know, if if there are some that are anonymous, and you really have to think this experiment through. It goes back to the censorship one in the open, mm-hmm. uh, which I wanted to double click on before the open version of of twitter the open version of facebook okay now you got an open version okay now alex jones is torturing the poor parents of the you know the the the, um kids in um remind me of the um sandy hook sandy hook kids these poor parents right and okay now it's a decentralized version he says even more outrageous stuff that's a false flag and these parents kids aren't dead and they're actors Mm. and there's nobody to stop them because there's no centralization and it trends even more. And these crazy people are like, I need to give Alex Jones money because he's saving America from the Pizzagate, you know, Clintons and all this aliens and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, now nobody can stop this maniac. And what? who does he go after after the Sandy Hook parents? And then who has people on their doorstep? Because now he's got he's trending on the decentralized social network that nobody controls.
3: But but hold on, hold on. If you don't let this guy speak, we're going really deep now. If you don't let this guy speak, people are gonna think there's some conspiracy. At least the craziness is out there on display, right? If you don't see that at all, and I think this is probably like Elon Musk's argument, right? You build it up. You're not actually creating any discussion. It's like the whole Mm. question of should Donald Trump be back allowed on Twitter, right? There may be a part of the population that thinks it's being hidden from them. There's a conspiracy that is hiding what he's saying from yeah, that. 70, 70, to- million,
1: 70 million people probably believe that, you right, know, so Like who voted for him.
3: To have yeah. that craziness on display and let people make up their minds. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I think one way or it's the a other, but challenge of a our era.
1: Question. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the problem with the you know, I think Alex Jones is just such a great example. Molly and I talk about him all the time because if you take the legal approach, like breaking the law, you know, he is now being sued into oblivion. But that took seven or eight years mm-hmm. on a private company in a private company, whether it's YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, you can say, you know what? Not for me. I'm the CEO. I own this. I just don't want to be party to somebody saying something so offensive uh, and hurtful to parents going through the most painful thing yeah. any human can suffer the death of a child. And I just choose not to have that on my platform. And, you know, I choose not to let people send anonymous money to this person. Whereas with President Trump, you know, it's like, well, some number of people voted for him. You know, he hasn't been convicted of January 6th yet. Maybe he'll get sanctioned for it. It, It's a really difficult, I call it like the modern trolley car problem. Everybody's aware of the trolley car problem where it's like these great philosophical problems. I like something in between what happened um, and the open anybody can do whatever they want, which now is... Now you're
3: sounding like a tech CEO, Jason. I know. I like the time-based Jason, ones. It's yeah. ph- philosophical. They want somewhere in the middle, but then that ends up being no policy at all. This is why it's so hard. Yeah. And this is why it's yeah. so polarizing because you cannot have that middle ground at some point. You're going to have to make right. those tough decisions. I know I like time-based. On. Not- I just landed on time-based. Go ahead, Mom. The reason yeah.
0: you can't have that middle ground is because what it leads to is effectively the long history of no rules that allowed for algorithmic amplification that started Mm. to financially incentivize more and more and more extreme speech so Mm. that you got to a point where you had you know we all act like trump came along before these platforms were toxic and had a moderation problem they had it all along and they had it because they were trying to find this middle ground but also make money by amplifying certain kinds of speech and allowing for the monetization of that speech and so then once you got to the point where it was like oh my god this guy is tearing down to my he's like Literally he personally responsible. His account is responsible for like at one point 80% of the misinformation that was on the web coming from Mm -hmm. this one account because of this attempt to have this middle ground the whole time. Like you can't, I don't I just don't think you can have this argument without the context of all of the kind of failures of moderation that happened
1: that got us to
0: the Trump nuclear bomb. What are the
1: things, Deirdre, that you would improve? Because I think this is where like we all talk about okay, chaos and, you know, just anything goes, we probably don't want that. I uh, Secret people putting their thumbs on things and shadow banning people, I think a lot of people would agree, like, we don't want that. So, on a practical basis, two or three things you would do
2: and then we just go I, around is, the
1: horn to make it feel uh, or, or to trend it towards, you know, what's good for society and what you think is good for society. Do you have, like, two is, or three suggestions? Honestly, I have no, this
3: is too hard of a question <laughs> for me. I, I, this, is, this is not my job. I do not know because You say you want one thing and then you give up another. I really feel for the people that have to do this from the CEOs to the regulators. I do not know what the answer is. The question of free speech is an age old question. I do not know because, and I, and I'm not even prepared to say one thing that I want. Like I said, you may Mm -hmm, give up something mm -hmm. else down the road. Um, personally though, I I do like to see everything. So I don't know. But again, you bring up the example of Sandy Hook. Do I want parents to have to relive trauma? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Will I give up? Some of my views, what I see for that parent, yes. But I don't know, how do you decide that on an individual basis?
1: Yeah,
0: I think, I mean, I think you raised the key point, which is that it's really hard. And anybody who thinks it's easy,
1: including, you know, Elon,
0: he, he, <laughs> including the elephant in the room, Elon.
1: Like, I don't think he thinks it's, it's easy. He, does, he doesn't think it's easy. He, he thinks it's complex, but um, I think he thinks there's something different to be done. I, I have actually a couple of feelings on it. I think the first step, is to stop talking about the polarized views of this and to just start going full transparency case by case um and that would at least give us a framework so with trump or with sandy hook we never got to see what was happening i i would like to have a log file of all the actions taken if you look at what what facebook did a really interesting thing they after the um After the advertising thing, there was an advertising thing. They said, here's the Facebook ad manager. So there's a thing called Facebook ad library, and you can see every ad. So they just made it transparent. I'd like to see every um, account that was, and I'd like all the academics to have access to it, every account that was turned off, every action that was taken categorized, and just let those academics or individuals say, hey, here's the moderation actions going on. And here's how the decisions were made. Let's have a discussion about it. I think that would be a good first step. That does we also assume know.
0: that there was decision, right? Like we also don't, I don't think we should safely assume there was moderation decisions happening all along, right? Like one of the big knocks on of Trump course. was that he had violated the terms of service over and over and over. Yeah. And it wasn't until the 37th yeah, really please. egregious time that Twitter was like, okay, we have a rule now. And our rule is if you're newsworthy, we don't, right? Like you can't really be transparent about a system if that system doesn't exist.
3: Yeah.
1: I I agree. And that's why it should be transparent, because then you'd say, okay, you're not even making a decision here. There's no decision being made. And then in some cases, people are like, yeah, "Uh, you know, I don't, I I don't know if ivermectin works or not. And they're ban your account. And you're like, I I didn't say I'm pro or not. I just said, I don't know. And Like people had their accounts banned for just saying the word ivermectin. And it's like, uh, okay, that doesn't work either. This, in know. terms
3: of that transparency, we know that this is an extremely difficult, delicate topic. I don't think Zuckerberg is doing himself any favors by not talking about it, right? I mean, I asked Sundar Pichai, hey, exactly. up, "What does free speech on the internet mean?" He gave a very nuanced, careful answer, but that's helpful. How are you thinking about it, right? You don't need to have the answers. No one expects you to have the answers or say that mm-hmm. you don't have free speech. But how are you thinking about it? And I think that. Zuckerberg is putting him his back against a wall by never talking about it because then everything he does, you don't understand where it comes from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, there is a if you guys uh, haven't seen it, there is transparencyreport.google.com and you know this you know this kind of exists in the world already uh, for search. They they just need to copy what was what's being done already um, at, go. for Google search where they just like here's the dangerous sites, here's why we took them out of the index here's what governments are asking us. Here's the subpoenas we get. And they did that. So when they take stuff down, the government can't be like, take this down without sending them a notice. They're like, send yeah. us the notice. We're going to share the notice. Unless it's like I guess there's a fin record or something where you um can have like things taken down or do data requests without tipping your cards, because that would tell the criminal, like you're going after mm. them. Anyway, listen, it's <laughs> over an hour with Deidre. She usually <laughs> gets 15. So, yeah. great. so great. It's so great. With, Debo. this is are good long form cnbc mm-hmm. is got to uh give uh deirdre a little raise here because you need your own show bill simmons and a bunch of other podcast <laughs> networks now know that debo is good in long form you're good I in mean, long it, form
3: i'm just happy to talk to the two of you molly ah. an absolute pleasure what a delight
1: mm, there it J-Cal.
3: is let's hang out J. Cal, mm. are we friends? Are we frenemies? Of course. We're, we're, we're I, think right. I think you're yeah. great. I think you're great. I'm just joking. Of course. You yes, know, I love you. We're besties. We come,
1: I think we're we besties on- after this. <laughs> we'll be-
3: we are. So anyways, we'll see you on Tech Check soon. Always, yes, I'll always always come on soon. Give you a hard time. Just kidding. I love it. I <laughs> love it. Let's go on. <laughs> Let's do it. I want to talk. Let's I want to talk good.
1: about Uber. I want to I come on and talk about like, the, this tipping point for uber so maybe Let's after all in summit i'll come on mm-hmm. and we'll we'll talk about the chances of profitability in the super maybe you know share the super app conversation we had here which i think is a super yeah. interesting one that people aren't talking about
3: thank all you right. both so much for having me thank, thank you Thanks, here, here. make sure See you here. upload okay. that audio file say. for it. us cheers take care bye